I do keep your uh, little black books uh, open. Um, I've had a look at one or two black books. Not that I've been sneaking uh, through your Romans journals, uh, but I know that uh, this page was particularly packed with notes from last week. So you might not have any notes that uh, on the on the spare page that is is overlooking the Romans five. Don't worry. Uh, get a pen uh, and circle some key words uh, and make some words uh, around uh, the passage. Humankind comes together for all the positive and life-affirming reasons we all enjoy. That was part of Gabby Logan's opening credits to the London Marathon this morning. I wonder if any of you uh, watched some of those runners or walkers plod their way round the London Marathon course. And she's right, isn't she? I think she's right. People coming together in unity and solidarity, stories of hope in the face of adversity, people raising money for uh, love in memory of loved ones. It is a celebration of life, the London Marathon. It's good to watch. Maybe you watched and a tear uh, forms in your eye. Maybe it, uh, it, it connected with you in a way that you just remembered someone or you remembered something, you remembered a time, and you thought that's the goodness of humanity right before me. Maybe the London Marathon doesn't do anything for you in that area. And that's all right. There are many other ways that we celebrate life. I sat there this morning watching it, and I thought, Gabby Logan's right. She's right. But there's an underlying problem. It's unavoidable. It's tremendously sad. And especially when we stop considering it. And in light of this underlying problem, our atheist friends will say, well, the world just keeps on turning. And some of us get lucky and others don't. And just live the life that you've been dealt with. But the problem is too big to ignore. The problem is too big to follow the advice of an atheist friend. What if there is a solution to the problem that we all face? Remember those famous words in the iconic Apollo 13 movie in 1995? Houston, we have a problem. Tom Hanks was the one that made those words. We have a problem. And it's a line that then takes the movie in a different direction. It comes from the original communication on the 13th of April 1990. Houston, we've had a problem, said Jim Lovell, as he called Mission Control in Houston to report the problem. And that's the point. The movie, Tom Hanks, he says, Houston, we have a problem to make the movie a movie. Jim Lovell said, Houston, we've had a problem. Here's the point that Paul is driving through in Romans. We've had a problem. We have a problem. There will always be a problem. That's what we've seen in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. The whole of humanity has a universal problem. And Christ is the only solution. That's Paul's message. The reality of it is gripping Paul. He dissects the problem. And meticulously, he he pieces the solution together for us in the whole book of Romans. In the 16 chapters. 
piece by piece, so that we see the wonder of what a life in the solution looks like when we trust in the solution. And into the next life to come. Here are two points, if you're making notes, the two points that will frame and hopefully help us understand what Paul is talking about. Point one, the problem is universal through the reign of Adam. And point two, the solution is unique through the reign of Christ. Let's look at the first one together. What is that problem? Look at verse 12 from Romans chapter 5. Here's Paul. He says, therefore, in light of verses 1 to 11, uh, what we looked at last week, in light of that and in light of helping you understand what Christ has done and what that means in that relationship, He goes again. Verse 12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. What is the problem? The problem is sin. It's the disease of sin. Verse 14, this idea of sin, Paul refers to the idea of of transgression, an act that breaks the law. In verses 15 and verses 16 and 18, perhaps circle it if you've got a pen, Paul uses the word trespass to commit wrongdoing. In verse 19, Paul uses the word disobedience. If you have a niece or a nephew, a child or a grandchild, you know the picture, you get the picture, you see it in front of you. Utter disobedience. No, you do not do that, and the child does. Sin is a result of a state that we're all in, says Paul. And I know if you've been coming for weeks, you know that. I know that. But Paul doesn't want to let it go because it's so crucial. It's so important to him that he remains in this understanding that sin is a result of a state that we're all in. It has its origin. And that origin is not in God. We know that. The origin of sin starts with Adam and the act of Adam is repeated by every human that ever lived. And we keep repeating the same issue of Adam over and over and again. And of course by Adam we mean Adam and Eve. Uh, I say of course, but that's what Paul is saying. Paul uses the the picture of Adam, the first man, in contrast to the God-man as we see later. Paul wants to keep driving home that sin is ugly. Sin is not naughty and nice. It's an act of terror against the creator to overthrow him from his throne. That's what sin is. Adam sought to cancel God out. And we see it happening time and time again as many replicas of Adam as we seek to overthrow any trace of God in Our lives, there's transgression, there's trespass, there's disobedience. And Paul says this deserves God to act. 
Paul says that, that this transgression, trespass and disobedience, this deserves God's action. How will God deal with transgression, trespass and disobedience? Death. Death reigns. You see that in verse 14 and 17 and 19. And you'll see that I'm, I'm going to be jumping around just to drive through this first point. Look at verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam. Verse 17, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. Verse 19, just as sin reigned in death. Death is the action of God against the act of terror of humanity against him. And as it came to Adam, so it comes to us all, says Paul. It's the problem we all face. It's the disease that man has not found a a cure for, for all the good in humanity. Over the histories uh, of, of the whole of time, death is a disease that man has not found a cure for. Think of that. All the inventions in the world across history that has helped humanity flourish Not one deals with the greatest issue. The Wright brothers. Remember those two in history lessons? Flight. Thomas Edison. The light bulb. Alexander Graham Bell. Come on. Good, Esther. Knew it. Tim Berners-Lee. The World Wide Web. You see, not one... Of the greatest inventions in the whole of history deals with our greatest issue, death. Death is unnatural, death is universal, and death is all around, isn't it? Maybe you've had a week where you've, you've heard of some kind of death. I, I had a friend this week whose twin brother died in his 30s. Death is all around. And Paul keeps driving this through, not to make us depressed, but to to wake us up to the reality of life that we live in. And look, if there's any better, um, if there's any better illustration, I'm sure there is, find it. But but I think here's one. We were playing before as we did a bit of babysitting so that some of the, the youth leaders here could have some training. And with the little ones through the room, um, we, we tried to build uh, some Domino Express, which is just a new version of Domino Rally for those of us a bit older. Look, here's the deal, right? <laughs> Dominoes. You have, to have a, you have to have a hand of... Uh, yeah, just nice and steady. <laughs> and you get the picture. I'll just set out four. Pathetic, really. But you get the picture. Adam died. And so in Adam's death, what happened, it's the domino effect. It's that we all die. Because Adam falls, we all fall. It's bleak and it's grim. And it's life. The world tries to ignore it. 
Ignore it in this way. Stare it in the face and try and defy it. Or shrug it off. Or look on the bright side of life rather than search for a solution. The world will tell us that this is life. This is the hand that you're dealt with. Just make the most of it. See, we haven't got an answer for death. Even Hippocrates, the father of medicine, as he was known as, was not able to start a system to prevent death in all his medical research. Stop and consider this. Do you know I don't do it enough? I really enjoyed this book as we were looking through Ecclesiastes a couple of years back. And here's the first introduction, the first words of the introduction. I am going to die. By the time you read these lines, I may even be dead. It's not that I have a virulent disease or a terminal illness. A doctor has not pronounced on how I am going to die. I don't know when I will die. I just know I will. I am going to die and so are you. But here is why I wrote this book. I am ready to die. You see, the problem is universal through the reign of Adam. Before we dive into the next point, perhaps you're sitting there. Perhaps you're sitting there and going, well, that's not really fair, is it? It's not my fault. If it's like the domino effect and here's the system that I was born into... We call it original sin, that we were born into sin. There's nothing that you can do about that. How is this my fault? And do you know what Paul's already answered the query back in Romans 1? But we're without excuse. We can't look to Adam and blame him because I only have to look in the mirror and look at my life and see how set up I am against God, how, I, how set, up, set, set up against God I was. Paul says no excuse. So don't put the finger of blame on Adam. That's not why he writes this. It's not for us to to do that. But he says you've got to look in the mirror. And the domino effect is real. And for us, look, the second point. The solution is unique through the reign of Christ. There is a problem. We have to admit that. But look, the solution is unique through the reign of Christ. Look at verse 18. One act of righteousness. What is it? What is this one act of righteousness? Is it the cross or is it the one who is on the cross? Look, verse 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. He was sinless. No transgression, no trespass, no disobedience. Have you ever stopped to ponder the state of the Lord Jesus Christ? Totally sinless. Totally unlike me. No transgression, no trespass, no disobedience. Perfect life of perfect obedience. 
The one who has not walked the way of Adam. He's the one who defeats death. And from him flows life. If you look at Adam, bleak. If you look to Christ, hope. From one man flows death. But one act is far superior. And as you study these words and you get your head into them, and home groups uh, will be doing this, there's a parallel here. Paul wants us to get the parallel. There's comparison. It's something that we do in life. It's something that is good to do, to see how much better something is or how much worse something is. We do it every day. Well, the, this car is far better than the other one, we'll say. Or my energy bill is so much more than this time last year. Or during the pandemic, we weren't even allowed to go out the house for more than one jog. But now I can jog as many times as I want to any day. We do that comparison and it's good. We compare. And Paul's doing that. He's doing a parallel. He's saying, look, look at Adam. And here's a second Adam. And his name is Christ. All come through Adam and all can come through Christ. But that's as far as the parallel goes, Paul says. Because the contrast is far greater. The contrast of Adam and the contrast to Jesus is great. Let's read some of those verses again and just try and pick out the contrast. Try and make a note or circle a key word in there. I'm going to read verses 15 to 17 slowly. Just so we let God's word sink in again. Not just my words. Verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man. Jesus Christ overflow to the many nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification verse 17 for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Paul says the free gift is not like the trespass. It's nothing like the trespass. Do you know it's much more, much more is accomplished. And Paul uses the words of, overflowing and much more and abundance and we get this idea that the gift of grace the work of Christ it's far greater it's superior look in verse 15 that the trespass it's a condition it's a state that we all find ourselves in and the grace of God is a gift it's more it's overflowing it's free it's abundant The word is described by one commentator. He says that Paul has made up a new word. It's a word that we don't use. It's super overflowing. If you could use that word. That's how great the gift is. 
Look in verse 16, here's the contrast. We are rebels by nature through one man's sin. Look what that bought. Judgment and condemnation. But the free gift is available to cover the multitude of sins. One man's sin, judgment and condemnation. The free gift able to cover the multitude of sins. We sang that just now. The vilest sinner's heart can be cleansed, can be free. Verse 17, the outcome. Look at the contrast. Adam rejects the rule of God. He realises a condition over the, the whole human's race is death. He releases a condition, sorry, over the whole human race. That's death. But Christ's work is abundant provision of grace. There's the outcome. Death to a gift of grace. And grace is superior. It's overflowing. It means that death is no longer inevitable. Let me say that again. It means that death is no longer inevitable. Back to Domino Rally. Remember those days? You spent such a long time building the Domino Rally and you were on your 77th Domino. And you thought, oh, come on, let's give it a go. Gave it a little tap. And it stops. Get stuck on Domino 59. The angle wasn't quite right. You took too much of a gamble. You hoped that the domino would knock the next one down. And the domino does not fall. See who that domino is? Christ. See, Adam is no longer our representative. Christ is. He's the second Adam. The problem is universal through the reign of Christ. But the solution is unique. Sorry, through the reign of Adam. But the solution is unique through the reign of Christ, the domino that doesn't fall. He's now my representative. I think we get this. It might be that you're sitting there still scratching your head with some of the words and the language and the phrases. And you're trying to work out how the arguments of Paul flows We could spend forever trying to work that out. Paul is driving home two points. And look how he ends. Verse 20 to 21. Do you know what? And (laughs) you'll smoke back at me, I know. Do you know what he's saying? This has nothing to do with the law. Oh, Paul said that a few times already. It has name Romans. Look at verse 20. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look, the problem's so big, says Paul, and we've heard it, that of course the law can't solve it. The law can't solve the problem. When the law comes, it can't solve the big problem of sin and its consequences. No, no, it it just shines a spotlight on sin. 
This is what the law does. It helps us to determine what is good and what is bad. It shines a spotlight on sin. And I see how much I have sinned. I see what a sinful state my heart is in. I get this. You get this. I remember as a boy cycling through my housing estate. And there was one part that I could not cycle on. And I was scratching my head. Why? There was a big sign. No cycling. A short little passageway. Intrigued. I would cycle up to it and cycle round. Why? Why no cycling? Do it again for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half. And then I couldn't help it any longer. I needed to cycle through the no cycling alley. I needed to do it. Put up the sign, no cycling. Of course, in the end, I'll cycle through it. You see what law does. It shines a spotlight on sin. It therefore helps me see how much I've been forgiven. There's a reign of Adam and there's a reign of Christ. One brings death. One brings life. It's the message of the cross. And you know, every day, hundreds of people are coming from the reign of Adam to the reign of Christ. We saw that clearly with the baptisms, didn't we, on Easter Sunday? From death to life. It's glorious. As a church, we must never forget this. Not one thing that brings you over from the kingdom of Adam to the kingdom of Christ. There's not one thing that can do that, but it's one man. It's always one man. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21 as we finish. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord Look to the cross. As you look to the cross, what do you see? As you look to the cross, what do you see? What do I see? This is the kingdom that I'm in, the reign of Christ, not the reign of Adam. But look to the cross. The king is no longer there. I look to the cross and I know that that is where my kingdom was changed. That is where Christ dealt with my sin and its consequences. I no longer have to feel death because the king is no longer on the cross. The king reigns in glory. And he waits for us to rule with him forever. See that at the end of 21 to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, do you know I need to hear these words again and again? It's why Paul keeps driving them home. The problem is universal through the reign of Adam. I must never forget that, ever. For the people that I'm praying for, maybe you need to hear that. The problem is universal. You can't get away from it. You can't bury your head in the sand around it. But the solution is unique through the reign of Christ. That's why we can sing and we will sing. 
on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Do you know why? Because all of the ground that the world offers, it's utterly sinking sand. Because the problem is universal through the reign of Adam. Yet the solution is unique through the reign of Christ. John's going to jump up. Well, you'll just walk up, John. Don't jump. Um, and, uh, and he's going to get ready. And I'm going to pray uh, for us that these words would sink in. And we'd sing with real gratitude and thankfulness for King Jesus.